0: On that issue pollution i understand that you came here with a private jet Uh, is that an environmental way to travel if you offset your carbon it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle Uh, i negotiated the paris accords Well, thank you so much uh, to the President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. I couldn't think of a better segue into uh, Secretary uh, Kerry uh, than uh, these very important contributions uh, from Ursula. Uh, Welcome, John. Uh, It's so great to see you. I guess. you heard what also Ursula said about uh, having uh, a friend in the White House. Uh, what agenda will we know expect uh, from the new president? I think you work very, very uh, close with the, with the present uh, elect. You already heard stronger Euro- transatlantic cooperation. You heard Paris agreement. Uh, are we expecting too much too soon uh, from the new president or is it gonna deliver first day Uh, on these topics? Well, Borger, great to be with you. Thank you very much. And I'm delighted to follow uh, President uh, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, who I had the pleasure of working with when she was uh, defense minister, and I think she's doing a great job uh, as the president of the commission. The answer to your question is no, you're not expecting too much. And yes, it will happen. And I think it will happen with greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. Uh, In effect, uh, the United, the the citizens of the United States have just done a great reset. We've done a great reset. Um, And it was a record level of voting. What astounds me is that as many people still voted for uh, uh, the level of uh, chaos and uh, breach of law and order and and breaking the standards. uh, uh, And I mean, you can run a long list and and still it attracted attention. And I think that the underlying reason for that, Borger, is something that everybody has to examine. I think Europe has to look at that uh, with Brexit and the rising national populism, nationalistic populism, uh, which is really one of the priorities that we all have to address. Uh, You can't dismiss it. It has to be listened to, it has to be understood. Uh, We have had it just manifested, um, and and Europe has it, too, in various countries to greater or lesser degree. It's a reflection of the inability of uh, democratic governments in many parts of the world to deliver, and I just have to put it bluntly.
1: Wouldn't it be nice if we could just say, you know, when things aren't exactly how we would want them, or anytime somebody calls us out on maybe, I don't know, a little bit of hypocrisy, we could just say, well, for a guy like me, oh, that would be heaven, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, we're not all John Kerry. Uh, before we get into that, we've got a lot of stuff to cover today. It was a busy weekend. I did a lot of reading. Um, some articles I'd like I, that I pulled that I'd like to dive into with you today Um so once again, we're just so busy that I can't put everything off until Friday. Uh, so that's getting interesting. But yeah, we'll join the John Kerry dog pile because he's not having a not having a good week, a good month really. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about competitive strawberry growing. Uh, how robots have annihilated humans at that—that that is a scary article uh, that I'm going to bring to you. Uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd. Austin. This is all available in the show notes. I'm also going to have links to the audio and all the articles I reference in the show notes. So those show notes are going to become even more um, important and actually going to have some real content in there to kind of help you follow along. Uh, but Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin uh, gave us a very fun quote to deal with. We'll jump into that. And then uh, through a Huffing- Huffington Post article that I linked to here that I stumbled upon, an NPR article, uh, headlined, quote, Unfettered Free Speech is a Threat to Democracy, end quote. And then, just for some fun, I, my wife and I watched, well, my wife and I were on the couch while lockdown, the movie on HBO was playing. uh One of us was watching, one of us was sawing some logs. I won't say who's who. uh So, just jumping straight into it, holy crap. An article that I've been trying, you've noticed. I've been talking a lot about the Great Reset and my fear right off the bat gotta pull the cat hair off of my microphone here. Um, right off the bat is my fear is that I'm gonna read so much into this and obsess so much over the Great Reset that it's gonna come across as conspiratorial um and that I'm just thinking oh there's these mis- mysterious people out there don't know who they are don't know what they're saying but I'm assuming that they want to control us and turn us all into you know zombies or whatever um so I'm trying to avoid that what I'm trying to do is use their words use their website their articles their audio everything use that to bring their stated goals down to a working man's level. You know, just the average human being and really, and I can't even speak for the average human being. I can speak for the pretty average American, you know, somebody who didn't grow up with everything given to me. Uh, I had to work for and earn my first electronics that I, that I had, uh, my TVs, my Xbox and playstations, um, things like that. um, so leading into adulthood, that was in my head. You know, I got to work for these things. And I feel like that's the the average set of values that most American parents want to instill in their kids. It's like, you know, you can't just have it just because you got to work for it. So I, I'm trying to read their articles and their words and bring it down to our level. What does that mean for us? Um, so right off the bat, as I was going through the website, clicking on every single link I could find, it's a monster of a website. It's the weforum.org and one of the articles I stumbled upon is uh, robots beat humans in China at growing strawberries." And this is, to me, a terrifying article because it's further uh, further proof that they don't need us. We as humans, as laborers are becoming somewhat obsolete. And I don't think it's by accident. I think it's by design. and there's there's every implication you could think of that follows this realization. Um, the, the article on the world economic forum website, weforum.org, titled, here's what happened when AI and humans met in a strawberry growing contest, uh, right away what they said, basically, or not even basically quote data scientists produced 196% more strawberries by weight on average compared with traditional farmers. So the, the backstory I guess is. Quote, when farmers in China competed to grow the fruit with technology, including machine learning and artificial intelligence, AI, the machines won by some margin. So this isn't purely robots are taken over. This is humans utilizing not just robots. The the key point there is machine learning and artificial intelligence, because what that that's where we're getting cures to diseases. That's where we're getting new medicines because we're, we're allowing computers now to run hypotheticals, to run scenarios just all day, all day long, crunching out numbers. What would happen if we did this? Well, based off of this, this, and this, run an algorithm. So further evidence that our lives are going to be altered and the evidence used to justify the alterations is an algorithm essentially. So we've reached the stage of algorithms. Some are calling this a fourth industrial revolution. Uh, The Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, that's definitely how they're seeing it. Um, And so the article itself was fun and terrifying. But then what it led me to is I started asking myself, if I don't want to be just a conspiracy touting another Alex Jones, who is actually backing this stuff up and saying, Yes, this is what we believe, this is what we want to do? Well, I'll include this link in the show notes. This is a list of the quote partners that have signed on to the World Economic Forum. And essentially, to, to be, become a partner, you have an account with a login. And I believe I didn't really get this far into the sign in process, but I'm sure, as with most forums that are online that meet at conferences around the globe as the world economic forum does, you're going to have to pay into it. You, you you have to pay in to receive this membership and the, the data and everything that comes with it to make these decisions. But then what you're also paying for is for your name to be on the website as a sponsor or as a, as the world economic forum puts it on their site partners. Um, and so I found a list of partners, you know, people who have signed on saying, yes, we agree. And it's terrifying. I mean, it goes letter by letter. Um, So, obviously, starting with the A's, Apple is there. Um, Let's uh, see if I can find some notable ones that you've heard of. Uh, Well, Amazon Web Services, which is, of course, the Amazon Web Services that hosts domains for a lot of small businesses and large businesses um, of all sorts and types. Most notably, in recent news, their domain services were hosting the Parler uh, social media website. And we all saw what happened with that between Facebook, Twitter, Apple, and Google in league with Amazon Web Services. They were able to pull that website off of those domain host off the Amazon domain hosting. So nobody could access it is what that means. Um, going down the list, AstraZeneca, um, pharmaceuticals. Um, let's jump into the B's here. BBVA, of course. Um, let's see, is BP Energy on here? I don't see BP Energy. Maybe they go by a different name, or maybe they're not on here. I don't know. Boeing, you've heard me talk about BlackRock, which is the multi-trillion dollar um, financial wealth management institution where they, they give a lot of money as startup money, as seed money to start these startups. Well, they've already stated through the World Economic Forum and independently that they are going to start doling out that startup seed money only to companies that sign on to this World Economic Forum plan, the Agenda. Uh, 2021 it is called the davos agenda read up on that uh going into the seas chevron P-p-p-p-uh. cvs health uh let's see if um salesforce that's another one just a, a big uh crm company uh, i mean they're, they're it's all over the place if you go to the link and, and just if you're curious i've been curious you know and i'll and I'll, I'll just Go to that letter and see is this person in there? And many times they are in there. Um, oh, uh, Goldman Sachs. Yeah, that was, yeah. Goldman Sachs is in there. Of course, Google's in there. So they're all in there. All the big guys are in there. And, and that's what I've been trying to say is that this isn't some. Um, uh, it's not some desire to institute socialism and communism around the world. It is literally this is how it's going to be because we control the wealth. All the billionaires go to these forums. And because they control the wealth, they can make the world what it is they want it to do. They just all have to be in league with each other, which is exactly what this is showing. So to me, all I see there is is—I mean, if you try to to just live your life to exist without doing business with any of these companies, it's not going to happen. The best way to make your your voice heard and known is just to speak up. I'm I'm trying to do that with my podcast and just get the word out there where then the consumers can gather together, use their buying power and say, well, hey, we don't like that this is your stipulation for uh, seed money. We, We would rather use our wealth to start this company over here because they actually have a good product. Okay. Yeah. They're not signing on to the agenda 2030, cutting carbon emissions completely by 2030 or only driving electric vehicles, no gas powered motors on the road by 2030. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but Maybe I don't want to sign onto that agenda because what they're promoting, and we saw that last episode, is the abolishment of pretty much everything we have known from the existence of, of of America, really, of the existence of commercial freedom. Um so it's it's to me, I wanted to bring this up purely for the for the sake of saying that I'm not watching some YouTube videos and whatever this pimple-faced person says. Um, with no evidence to back it up, that that's that's what I'm spitting out on my podcast because I couldn't be further from the truth. There are some sources that I go to that kind of lead me in the right direction, but then I'm doing exactly what I just did um, every night. And I'm trying to go to their websites, find the original sources. Why would somebody say this about Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum or the Great Reset? Uh, well, that's because that's what they've already said themselves. Um, so... Take that for what it's worth. Moving on. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin uh, of the Department of Defense announced Friday, quoting, that Austin had formally signed the memo uh, that we're going to get to, which will require military leaders at all levels to select one day to lead discussions focusing on, quote, the importance of our oath of office, a description of impermissible behaviors, and procedures for reporting suspected or actual extremist behaviors. So we all know what that means. They, uh, they're they essentially going to start looking into everybody within the Department of Defense, people within our military, and leadership, and seeing if any of them hold. Uh, what I'm sure what they would call, what we would see in Star Wars is Rebel Alliance. Um, people who might have agreed or at least been somewhat 1% sympathetic towards the protesters and then the very small handful of people who actually stormed, the, uh, the Capitol building and what they've done in their heads, which I believe is a complete fallacy, but we've seen over and over and over between government and the media, they've done this. They have lumped Trump voters in to the people who stormed the Capitol. And that, and we'll, we're going to discuss that in another article from HuffPo and NPR, uh, how dangerous that is in the language that's being used. That is extremely disturbing to me. A quote from this article though, uh says, service members, DOD, civilian employees, and all those who support our mission deserve an environment free of discrimination, hate, and harassment. And I saw that quote and I thought, well, yeah, everybody deserves that. But then it clicked in my head. That's not what the sentence says. It doesn't say everybody deserves that. It says, all those who support our mission deserve an environment free of discrimination, hate, and harassment. Well, what is that mission? Well, we've seen over and over the mission is... What I just said, they're lumping everybody in with the violence that happened on January 6th, that if you disagree with the agenda of the Democrat Party, you are being lumped in with these extremists from January 6th. And their language says that over and over. Why make this make that clarification, all those who support our mission? I, I could I could see that sentence making sense if they said, all those who support our mission should be included in the work, and that those who don't support it, it's It's like if you if you go to a company, if you work at any sort of small business trying to be a big business, one of the first steps they do is they declare they state very firmly their uh core beliefs, their business mission um their their goals as a company, their values. you'll see those things on websites over and over, and if you don't agree with those, well then okay, this probably isn't the best place for you to work, but that's not what this is saying it's saying that we support an environment free from discrimination, hate, and harassment. But then there's there's the fine print. There's a little asterisks saying for all those who support our mission. And that that to me, that blew me away. Maybe it was an unintended um just semantics that I'm picking up on that they were not trying to get across. But that's what I read. Um, so that's how I feel. I just I feel like this it started with Trump, maybe not started with Trump, but Trump definitely exacerbated the issue of, saying things with White House letterhead and with WhiteHouse.gov and with White House official Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pages. But then when he gets behind a microphone, he doesn't use tact. He doesn't say anything diplomatically. He says it just like a a bull in a china shop. I feel like there is a very diplomatic, almost unifying language that could have been used in this article, but it wasn't. Don't we all deserve a work environment free free from discrimination, hate, and harassment? Maybe this is just an effort to make sure those employed by the government match the stated mission goals of the government. That would make sense to me. That makes sense to conservatives. If I have a business and I have a mission statement that very clearly says X, Y, and Z, and then I have an employee that doesn't fit in with that, well, what are you doing here then? If our mission is this and you don't agree with that, Maybe you should go find another employer whose mission does agree with that that that's straight up that's that's perfect but to say something that really just comes down to our civil liberties of having a work environment free from discrimination hate and harassment and then having an, a a uh oh what's the word the asterisk the the um oh shoot what's the, <laughs> this frustrates the hell out of me there's a word i want to say um anyways. To subtext that with for those who support our mission to me is um, damaging. Uh, so we're going to move on. But before I do that, what the hell? I forgot to shout out my favorite people in the world, BlackRifleCoffee.com. Uh, I've got a fresh cup of uh, Black Rifle Coffee, kind of, right next to me. I'm going to take a sip. Ah. um, And I say kind of because actually today... I was out of coffee, out of my Black Rifle, and then there's another company that I have always loved and tried to support, and that is um, Bison Union. They actually used to be called Peacemaker Trading Company, which I loved that name. But then they switched to Bison Union, a little more catchy, a little bit more inclusive, and I like it. Um, but they have a a partnership with uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and they produce coffee with the same you could almost say mission statement, the same values as Black Rifle, which is giving back to just normal people who keep this country moving. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee chooses to engage with veterans organizations, law enforcement, first responders. Bison Union is centered around our farmers and our agricultural sector of the country and the, the the people who work in those industries, who actually do the labor. Uh, this coffee is, this roast is called Ranch Hand Blend Coffee. And a little slogan, strong enough to float a horseshoe. It is a dark roast, It is, a, but it is delicious. I get the whole bean and um, great packaging, resealable. I, I love their stuff. Uh, so it's it's another great... Uh, all the smells. Uh, another great product uh, in league with Black Apple Coffee from Bison Union. So check Bison Union out. They're a great company doing great things. This particular roast goes to, uh, let's see, what... The WRCA, the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, uh, formed in 2001, uh, with the mission. I'm reading off the packaging here of providing financial assistance to working ranch cowboys and their immediate families through scholarship and crisis funding, uh, and that's something that the Bison Union really does a great job of highlighting. Is there are people out there that are still riding horseback along acres and acres and miles of agriculture land, um, be it raising cattle or growing crops. And they're the ones who put the food on our tables. You know, you've seen the meme. I'm sure everybody has by now of, you know, somebody saying, well, you know, I'm a vegetarian. Why, why do you have to go to the store and, and buy your, your meat? Why can't, or, or, you know, why, why do you have to go out and hunt? Why don't you just go to the supermarket and buy your meat? And it, it's that, that lack of understanding. Well, that meat comes from somewhere and it comes from people with gloves and hats on who are working out in extreme temperatures at times. just, Doing the work that the rest of us are too lazy and inept (laughs) to do ourselves, to be honest. So anyways, check out uh, BisonUnion.com. Check out BlackRaffleCoffee.com. Sign up for the coffee subscriptions. Never have to worry about getting coffee again. And you know that month to month, week to week, you're always going to have the freshest, most American cup of coffee that you can possibly get. Uh, So take that for what it's worth. (laughs) That's just my personal two cents. Uh, Other than that, of course, I'll point you over to Cross and Musket on Instagram. That's Cross and Musket Apparel, my wife and I's t-shirt company. Check out our our products on there. Uh, We are going to start getting, hopefully, sometime in 2021, start getting some of the retail stuff going again. Uh, Right now, the push is the podcast. Uh, But in order to support the podcast, we need your help sharing the episodes. Uh, We always put out a new episode reminder, a new episode alert. And then, other than that, just um, word of mouth telling people about the show, um, we're going to do a much better job of keeping the show times down. I know an hour is a lot to commit to something, but we do appreciate the listens and uh, if you're looking for a way to support the show without um, just giving us money, uh, we understand that times are tough so um, we wanted to give you a very uh, a very tangible way. Uh, to to give to the show and have something back, and so right now that's the t shirt. So go and buy a t shirt. Use promo code INSTA I N S T A for twenty percent off, and uh, check out our t shirts. High quality materials, and uh, I wear them almost exclusively around my house because uh, I'm cheap. And if it's not a shirt from Target that costs six bucks that I have thirteen of the same color, well then it's going to be my own t shirt. Damn it. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, The next article, I'm going to talk briefly about this because I don't honestly know who Marjorie Taylor Greene is. I believe she's a member of the House of Representatives. But one thing we can say is that we saw this past week that she was stripped of her committee appointments because of her support of Donald Trump um, through the election cycle and the things that she has said. Uh, Of course, I I believe from what I've heard, she's behind some of the rhetoric about the Dominion voting machines, uh, mass voter election fraud. Um, so she said those things they stripped her of her committee of her committee assignments but I want to point to you to what she said because it's very true and it's a point that I made last episode as well so l- listen to last episode uh, for a little bit more context here um, of the position that I'm taking uh, but quote in the article she said free speech really matters and yesterday when the Democrats and 11 of my Republican colleagues decided to strip me of my committee assignments education and labor and the budget committee huge all, all three huge massive of committees to have a conservative or Republican on excuse me. And again, I'm not sure I'm not going to call her conservative. She's a Republican. I can say that. And so not that I necessarily agree with her, but if I had to pick between a Republican and a Democrat on those committees, of course, I'm going to lean Republican. And then it's a matter of just which Republican. Um, But that's, that's obviously just my opinion. Uh, But she says when they decided to strip me of my committee assignments, you know what they did? They actually stripped my district of their voice. And that's what Green told reporters. And I think that's an important something to just keep in mind. Um, When somebody in Congress is silenced or stifled or told to shut up or sit down or they're not given fair voice, it's not that person. You know, Um, in, in many cases, yeah, it might be because that person's only grandstanding to get. Uh, some some clips, something to run on for a re-election, but uh, the election cycle is over right now. Right now, we're focusing on the meat and potatoes of just getting our government back into working order. And so that has to be remembered when, when a, a member of the House of Representatives is silenced or stripped of appointments or assignments on different committees. Well, you're stripping her constituents of that same voice. Um. And so, again, I have to point, you know, she, she does support the notion that the Republican Party is his being Donald Trump's. I don't like that. I'm not on board with assigning so much power and influence to one human being being Donald Trump or any of his supporters. But that's not reason enough to strip a representative of, of committee seats, in my opinion, especially when the president and one of the main reasons why these people are being targeted within the House, within the Senate, within Congress as a whole these representatives are being targeted because of January 6th and they're, they're hanging their hat. They're hanging their prosecutions on that, on what happened January 6th. And they're hanging their, 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 uh, their current uh, status as far as how they're treating fellow Congress members. They're hanging that on the president being impeached, which is not, which has not happened. And that's important to keep in mind, just like back in from 2016 to 2020, there's so much, well, president Trump did this, uh, suspected of this, accused of this, going before the Senate com- uh, congressional committee on this, whatever, none of it was ever firmly established, zero uh, benefit of the doubt. Um, And so they can't say, well, accused um, or confirmed conspiracies because they never looked into it. And so anyways, I'm going to move on from that, but I just wanted to make sure that that was in there, that Marjorie Taylor Greene was removed from her committees. And I don't believe that it is necessarily fair, but it's something for you to read into, find the articles on it and do, do your own decision making there. So now we are about 30 minutes in. I'm going to um, spend a little time on this article from the Huffington Post and then move on to another article that I found from NPR um, and for a good reason, I believe. This Huffington Post article, it was the, the writer making a concerted effort to kind of embed themselves in with a Stop the Steal movement. Uh, I forgot which state she was in, but trying to say that, okay, I wanted to get in there, make them think that I'm one of them so that I can see what are these Trumpers really like. Um, so I read the article. I really I really tried to make sure I, I read it through her eyes, through somebody who doesn't understand maybe my perspective. And I'm just going to be honest um about my findings uh my my opinion about where where she went with it and um whether it was fair or not i personally don't believe she gave a fair shot and, and her her name is megan king she's a guest writer for huffpo uh and the the article is titled i embedded With Trump supporting Stop the Steal protesters, here's what I learned. And of course, the link will be in the show notes as well. So read it. I encourage you to read it yourself and and make your own opinion. Maybe I'm not being fair to her. But in my personal opinion, after reading her article, she makes a superficial claim that because this person, because she embedded with the Stop the Steal group, that she understands Trumpers. She understands Trump supporters. She understands conservatives. And it's a very limited perspective, I believe, which to be fair, she can't be in every single Stop the Steal uh, group around the country. So granted, I'll grant her that. Um, So I'm just going to read you some quotes from her. Quote, for example, Connor's main source of news, Connor being one of the Stop the Steal members that she was talking to, uh, for most of his life had been the Wall Street Journal. His main source of news had been the Wall Street Journal. But when the publication began publishing articles critical of Trump during his campaign in 2015, Connor unsubscribed and moved to other news sources that he felt were fairer to Trump. I don't see anything wrong there yet. Um if and because Connor is not the only one saying that publications like the Wall Street Journal have been uh unfair to President Trump over the years. Um so that to me I think she's using as a slant against this man person named Connor. I see it as, well, he's representing a big chunk of the country. Now, Connor gets most of his news from OAN, a far-right pro-Trump cable channel known for promoting conspiracy theories and epoch times. <sighs> so, I've I've watched a fair share of OAN, just like any small news outlet, it is trying to grasp at any news story and find a unique perspective. So, at many times yes, it does seem conspiratorial. Just like my podcast could seem conspiratorial because I don't want to just be listening to other shows, other programs, other podcasts, and just parroting what they say. I'm trying to find these articles and have a unique perspective. And the large media networks always sniff that out and say, well, they're conspiratorial. And really what it is is they are, they are putting in front of themselves a barrier to entry into their own industry and trying to keep the little guys out. Because as we saw, we talked about last episode, CNN's being rivaled by essentially YouTubers and podcast channels like The Blaze, like Louder with Crowder, whose audience numbers are in the millions. And they're rivaling daytime CNN. And I think that scares the crap out of them. We'll talk a little bit more about that, obje- that, that um, subject of them being afraid in just a second another quote when i began this project my partner asked me is there a chance that writing about the, the perspectives of this group might validate their views you hear this all the time in the media should we even talk about them or are we just giving them a validation continuing don't you think there are some perspectives that we shouldn't be empathetic to that's a, that's a tough question <laughs> i wouldn't be the one i wouldn't want to be the one asking it Honestly. The writer says, I continued to grapple with these questions over the past month and I still am even as I write this now. And, and that is, I think that she kind of gave some justification to how I've perceived this is that she still is on the fence of whether she should even be empathetic to these people who vote over Trump. She makes a large effort to say how she wants to understand the radicals. But every time she she moans and whines about trying to understand, she approaches it as a normal person trying to understand savages. It's not uneducated human to concerned human, it's how can these people be so stupid? And that, that condescending, that looking down on her intended audience, I would assume, uh, it's very evident, very apparent in her words. Uh, that in and of itself shows to me zero curiosity in trying to understand or empathize with maybe somebody like me, somebody who's concerned about the election. It's a search for proof and validation that the savages are indeed savage. Quoting again, when engaging in a process of understanding, we should be open to the likelihood that the ideas that emerge will seem deplorable to us. In these instances, it's especially important to remember that it is, it is the ideas and the mediums that transmit them, that we must concentrate on. Pay attention to this. That certainly doesn't mean that we don't hold these individuals accountable for their actions, but ultimately, if we hope to change them, we must be able to reach them. And that can only happen if we understand their motivations and struggles. So it's like the normal person who just wants to have a nice friend, but that nice friend happens to be an evangelical Christian and in their pursuit of companionship with this person the evangelical christian is just trying to to um persuade trying to change trying to form this this air quotes friend trying to convert them into their belief system and so it's disingenuous and that's what i'm that's what i perceive from this article is that it's and it's not even hey i'm trying to save you because i think you're going to hell and i want you to go to heaven it's, hey, I think you're a shitty person and I think you should believe the way I believe there. and by you changing, now I don't have to hold you accountable for those actions because you've checked boxes A, B, C, D and I don't believe now that you're a radical anymore because you've been changed, you've been awoken, you've been enlightened and it's a very narcissistic way to live your life in my opinion. Uh, but moving on, some more quotes here that I wrote down. Uh, at the close, this is the, the reader talking about history, some historical context, uh, of which I'm not in, in, entirely educated on what this acronym is, but at the close of the Second World World War, the UNESCO, UNESCO, not sure, I'll have to look into that. I see UN, maybe it's a precursor to our modern day UN. Uh, at the close of the Second World War, the UNESCO signatories ratified a constitution that opened with, since wars begin in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be constructed. So read that again. Since wars begin in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be constructed. So now this is leading into thought crime. If you've ever seen Minority Report with uh, Tom Cruise, this is leading into pre-crime. This is reading, leading into there's a sickness. There's, there's a mental health issue going on with what is in your head that is causing you to distrust us. You know, World Economic Forum is saying over and over, we have a trust issue in our in our world. People don't trust institutions. They don't trust banks. They don't trust governments. They don't trust social media, um, news media, cable news media, state-run media. There's a, trust, a lack of trust globally. And this, harking this quote into her article, she is essentially saying that the, well, I'll read her words following that quote recognizing what the harmful ideas are, where they come from, and why they take such hold is how we will begin to construct the best defenses against them. It is through this sort of understanding that we may hopefully begin to dismantle the destructive narratives and construct a new one altogether. And this is where I take a little bit of umbrage with the people who feel slighted by the fact that half of the country would dare support somebody like Donald Trump. Um, these, these college ed- educated wannabe elites believe that they're so far elevated from people like me and that there's, there's a, there's a mental issue in my head that is keeping me from seeing the light. Um, and it, The moral backing of it is evident in in these articles that I'm reading, and I'm trying to see where somebody is really reaching out to the right, to the conservative right, and saying, hey, we actually agree, but I'm not seeing that from the left. What I'm seeing is more of this, where we have to construct defenses against harmful ideas, or what they believe to be harmful ideas. We have to dismantle the destructive narratives and construct a new one. That is not American. American. I'm sorry, folks, but that is not America. America is not, hey, come in and leave everything you are behind. This is the new you. That's not what it is. You've always heard the term melting pot. We, we, we assume the best of the world and bring it in to harness it as a collective American idea, which is freedom. If you have to boil it down, uh, I need a sip of coffee. Or oh, rather a gulp. Um and so that is the left's ideology from what from my perspective. The conservative perspective, I believe, is completely different, and it's where classical liberalism used to be. It's it's where the Democrat Party used to be, and it's it, it's anti what the Republican Party used to be. Which is where I think conservatism conservatism where it really comes in is that it, it is not republicanism and it is not the Democrat Party. It's emerging. It's you've, you've probably heard this before, um, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. That to me is kind of the new conservative party socially. I just want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to be free and, and not have to go through government red tape just to do what it is they want to do in life, to, to pursue their passions, to pursue their happiness. And in so doing, I don't give a crap if you want to be gay. I don't care what's in your pants. I don't care what you do with it. I don't care how you use it. I don't care who you use it on. So, so, so long as everybody's consensual, obviously, but I don't care. How does you sleeping with a man, man to man or woman to woman, how does that affect my life? It does not. I do not give a crap and I will support you in every effort you have to, to have the right to be who you are, to love who you want to love and love them how you want to love them. I would support that. But then we'd have to meet in the middle of, well, but then what is, let's say I'm a Christian pastor. What is now my responsibility towards your freedom to 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 have a gay, ma- gay marriage? Is, it be, is you wanting to be married in my church now require me as a Christian to perform the ceremony or to engage my talents and artistic ability to create a cake for that wedding? You know, there has to be some middle ground and that's the problem where no, nobody's highlighting the unity points, the lines of unity that we could draw that around each other, around ourselves and say, hey, yes, this collective, we can at least engage in debate off of these principles because we agree. Whether it's the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or just the status quo, whatever it is that you hold on to that, that drives your passions, we can unite on them, but we're not talking about them. Conservatism loves new ideas. It feels challenged by them. It accepts them. It takes them on. It wants to understand them. It, it takes them personally. You know, the more I read into these things, the more episodes I put out, the more I want to actually know what it is I'm talking about and 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 have a personal connection to it. Conservatism considers new ideas. Then ultimately, one, it might discard them as invalid. It's like, oh no, your, your premise is false. Or it might... Might have proved himself that his idea is better. Both are valid, but I just think mine's better. Or, and, and what I believe should happen and could happen, is it might create a hybrid of my value to your value, my idea or yours. And the new idea, some might call this enlightenment, is is a combination of both. It's a melting pot, and that's how it's supposed to work. I saw this quote the other day, um truth is not a threat to good ideas or something like that. And that that has been just standing out in my head is that if you have this idea and you cling to it passionately, almost religiously, what points of truth back it up? And that's a question I ask myself all the time. I think it's a question that any curious American should ask themselves, especially when you've got a very tightly held opinion that you like to put out there on social media and challenge people over. Um, what, what, what are the truth points that are backing that up? And so I told you that that article from the Huffington Post led me to an NPR article. And the article was titled, Unfettered Free Speech is a Threat to Democracy, Journalist Says. Um, I encourage you to read this article in full. Of course, I'm going to link to it. Oh, Reading the article led me to one very concrete point. Fear of outside thinking is a death sentence to freedom in general. They're already un- they're already comfortable discussing limited free speech. Now, we've all talked about, we've all heard the, you know, you can say what you want, but you can't shout fire in a crowded theater. You can't cause harm to others through your actions. You can't incite violence or incite chaos through your words. Other than that, free to go. But what we're seeing now is... They can say you yes, you you can say whatever you want, but now they're redefining what constitutes um violence or leading to to actions of violence they're you know they're saying you can't shout fire in a crowded theater, but they're redefining fire, they're redefining shout, they're redefining crowded theater, and they're using those ambiguities that vagueness to put little silencers all over the place. Ultimately culminating in banning the president of the United States, the former president of the United States. If they can ban him with as much money as he has to fight, <laughs> the rest of us have no, no say in the matter. So where to from there? That's a very bleak point. We're not going to end it there. We're almost to the end, though, I promise. Where do we go from there? In you know, the left, the far left... And again, I make the distinction between Democrat voters who I want to unite with, the left who's already decided what direction they want to go, and the Democrat leadership. The left, with this agenda, is not ashamed to speak these things. So why should we be, as conservatives, why should we be so timid in speaking the, the, the fears that we have, the concerns that are on our hearts about what's happening in the country? Why should we be timid to, to say those things out loud? They're not. And ultimately, their loudmouth, their just blatant silencing of dissenting voices, it shows me they're afraid. It's it's the actions of fear. And I've said this before, I think, on an earlier episode. They're not the actions of somebody who's confident in their opinions or in their standpoints, thinking that all I have to do is prove that my idea is is better. They're not even trying to prove their idea is better. They're just trying to force it down our throats. And that's what scares me. As I said last episode, if somebody tells you not to watch something, record it. If somebody tells you not to read something, buy it in print. When somebody tells you to shut up, buy a microphone and use it. So when they tell me that I should be afraid of these ideas, I'm like, well, that's not your place to tell me what I should and should not believe. That's mine. So they're afraid of contradictory, challenging, um, opinions. But we're not afraid of theirs. I'm not afraid of their ideas. I think my ideas defeat theirs almost every time. Not because it's my idea, but because it's based in truth. It's based in, in time-tested principle. And it's based on better minds than mine. <laughs> but ultimately I'm not afraid of their ideas. I want to understand their ideas. I want to understand why somebody from the from the far left believes the way they do. Why what's this driver? So many times in today's today's environments, we're driven by fear. What is your fear, and how can I help you not have that fear? And how can you help me not have my fear towards your opinions or towards your viewpoints? And how can we merge those ideas? Is that even possible anymore? I don't know. I've mentioned before, I think we're, we've got a, a secession going on, not physically, but with ones and zeros. We're, we're um, becoming more tribal. We are, especially with COVID now, we are so isolated from each other. We don't even see each other's facial expressions anymore because we're behind masks. Um, Is it possible I'm completely wrong about all of this? Everything I just said in the past, what is that? 46 minutes. It's possible. (laughs) It's possible I'm completely freaking wrong. Uh, But in the words of the great philosopher Charles Barkley, I might be wrong, but I doubt it. Uh, but seriously, yes, I think it's possible I'm wrong. And, and that's, I'm always going to try to approach every topic from the, from with an open mind, because that's something that Christians, me personally, as a Christian, I've been accused so many times, the word you hear a lot, hypocrite, close-minded. And so I'm really, I'm making this honest effort, almost a plead with people who would disagree with me. Yes, it's possible I'm wrong. In fact, I kind of hope I am because everything that I feel I'm right about does not lead us to a good place in time. It is not a time that we're going to look on it, look back on in history and say, oh man, those were the the good old days. I mean, we're starting to, I'm looking back on 2020 and being like, oh God, those were the good old days. Remember when all we had to worry about was a pandemic, you know, in an election. Now we're worried about the results of an election, people from the election getting ousted from society. I mean, we're we're about to have, uh, they're about to turn the utilities back on at freaking uh, Oh, whatever that prison is. I don't know why I go so brain blank sometimes, but, uh, anyways, so yes, I do think it's possible. I'm wrong. I'm open to the idea. I would just like to talk through these things instead of somebody telling me you're wrong. Shut up. Cause I'm never, never going to do that. Uh, but I do hope that this exploration, um, as I mentioned last episode, this, this searching into what I believe, why I believe it. um, do I believe it? I hope that it will push me closer to what is happening, and not further away from just the the what's happening to everyday Americans. But so far, the more I listen to the words of the powerful, the more I actually navigate through the World Economic Forum's um, website. The more I listen to their actual words the more I feel like I'm probably not wrong. (laughs) And so, yes, I can, I can answer the question definitively. Is it possible I'm wrong? Yes. But then the question I pose back is what if I'm right? So moving on from all of that, um, I watched the movie lockdown on HBO this weekend. It was great. Um, I enjoyed it, uh, because I think they did a good job of trying to capture the times that we're in with COVID. Um, I had some notes I took down while I was watching. Uh, nothing super in-depth. I, I do recommend you watch it. Some decent acting. Uh, Anne Hathaway is Anne Hathaway th- pre- through pretty much the whole movie. Um, uh, but, uh, oh, what's his name that plays the uh, the husband? And I'm sorry, I called the movie Lockdown. That is a 2000 movie that does not have Anne Hathaway in <laughs> it. The movie is called Locked Down. And uh and I can't say his name, and I apologize. I love this guy. Uh Chiwittol Ejafer I don't know. He's a British Nigerian actor. He's phenomenal. He's great in this show. I I think he did a great job of being uh believable. And Hathaway did a pretty decent job as well, um, being essentially herself, <laughs> I believe. Um, but anyways, they did a really good job of making this feel like the new normal. Um, you feel like Okay, so has anybody else watched a movie that was filmed pre-COVID and you've been like, oh, they're not wearing masks. That's not COVID compliant or whatever. Um, This movie does work too and it does a great job making this lockdown COVID feeling. makes it feel normal, like it's a new normal. Lockdown is normal. No masks, no gathering indoors is the new normal. Um, and Hathaway's way of of showing her pent up emotion was really good. You know, this, you're talking to people through computer screens and you're not really being able to just say what it is you want to say or how you want to say it. She did a great job of that. I thought, uh, the lack of empathy toward each other, there's a, a scene where these two dudes are in in line waiting to get food at a grocery store, but of course not everybody can just go in and, uh, they're a little, they, they're very, a lack of empathy toward each other. was very obvious. Uh, unbelievable I thought and and I struggle with that with movies that have they're trying to make a point but it's just not a believable way to make the point I thought this movie did a great job of using things that happen in actual life in a very um, unproduced way a very natural way Um, and then what it ultimately led to which I thought was fantastic and a point that I hadn't really considered is that COVID did what we were all afraid of doing we had to decide what what our life is by taking it away. We had to define what are those things that I do Monday through Friday? What are those things I do seven days a week that I enjoy? And we defined it by taking it away and seeing if we missed it. And from what I've seen, a lot of people don't miss a lot of just everyday life. And so we now have to redefine what do I want my life to be? Because it's not what it was. And that's an important point. So I'll leave you on that. Um, before we wrap up, um, I had an idea after watching that movie and I know we're, we're approaching the one minute mark. I apologize. Um, I mean the one hour mark, one minute, wouldn't that be great? Um, I was sitting on the patio with my wife. We have a, a Nice apartment. We, we are blessed. We appreciate it almost every single day. We say something to each other. I, I tell people all the time about the freaking sinks. It's like they call it like a barn or farmhouse sink, and it's deep and it's wide. And there's no divider and it's amazing. And I love my sink. <laughs> and there's little things like that that we just appreciate every single day. And, and uh, it's fun being able to, to bounce those off of each other. But, anyways, so we love our apartment. We're sitting out in the patio, um, reading, just sipping on whatever we're sipping on. And the thought popped in my head because I saw other people out in their balconies and everybody's got their plants and their furniture and they're drinking or they're smoking or they're reading or they're talking on the phone. And the thought popped in my head, we all live like little kings and queens. And and then my brain just ran with idea and, and then I realized this is the best time in human history to be alive. Because as as these thoughts were going through my head, I reached over to my little table next to my recliner on the patio, perfect weather, perfect sun, and I grabbed my favorite carbonated water from the grocery store, favorite flavor, everything. We can all have exactly what we want right now between Amazon, the grocery store down the street. And then just a little bit of extra effort, we can work to afford it and make our ideal environment a reality. And that's what my wife and I have done. We're working towards it, of course, making things better, but everything I want, I either have, or I could have it right now, or at least everything I need. And then a lot of what I want, but then everything I want is really just more of what I want. And that's not necessarily what's best for me, but the more I grow and learn, um, who I am, the more I feel distance from the things that set me on this path. And and this thought train was leading me toward, you know, okay, what set me on this path? What made me want to start a business? What made me want to be my own boss? Um, these desires I have, what set me on the path? Well, it was podcasts. It was media personality. It was, it was people who told me Bison union actually was one of the people that made me realize, okay, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to get a t-shirt company going. Maybe I should do that. And I did it. Um, and i'm glad i did it set me on this path um but the more i get down the path the more distance i feel from the things that i feel were um immature or or not quite enlightened or whatever you want to however you want to phrase it it was what i needed at the time but it's not what i need anymore and i think that's an important point for us all to consider in our lives what are those things that yeah, they're, they're tried and true. They've, they've proven to be good things in our lives, but maybe I need a little bit more, you know, in Christianity, they talk about, um, baby Christians who, who need to be fed mashed food and and things that they can't chew. So you, you give them just a little bit to start understanding the broader points. And then once that foundation is set, you start teaching more, uh, philosophical views and in the history of the Bible, things like that. And so they can handle a heavier diet. And I think that's that as as we start down this path, my biggest hindrance of starting a podcast or telling you what I think about political ideas. My biggest hindrance has been, why should anybody care what I have to say and now that I'm down this path and I'm reading more and I'm forming my opinions and learning what I actually believe, the more I'm realizing. I'm not on the baby food anymore. I'm not on just the pure entertainment, the the silly videos or the the uh, the companies that, that start up and then for whatever reason, they just disappear. Whatever it is, whatever those things were that started me down this path, I'm beyond them now. And I think that's a good thing. And you will be too if you were to start down a path of a blog or a podcast or really engaging on social media with original content or whatever it is. You'll realize that you'll start to see your own maturity and your own growth and it's addicting and I enjoy it. And so I, my own personal kind of, um, how, how, how happy I feel and, and peaceful and, and encouraged and motivated I am for the podcast I hope I can just maybe pour a little bit of that on you as well to use your voice. And again, whether you agree with me or not, I don't give a crap. Um, we should all pursue our passions. Um, and so I challenge you use this unprecedented era of human freedom and ability through technology to do something good. Whatever you perceive that to be, follow that passion and have faith that if it really is the path you're supposed to be on, that you will succeed at it. And if it's not the path you're supposed to be on, you will realize that as you're on the path, you'll be like, Oh wow, actually this is not the path for me over here. This is the path for me. And you pivot and you move on. It's good for everybody. It, it, you'll sleep at night. <laughs> um, so to to close it up for sure this time, I want to read you um, just a, a quick Bible verse that I've had on my desk for a while now, and I've, I've only since picked out the pieces that really are speaking to me right now. And this, this comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 46, verse 6. The nations are in chaos, and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Verse eight, come see the glorious works of the Lord. Excuse me. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And that verse has been sticking out to me because it almost seems self-contradicting. So come see the glorious works. And then it says, see how he brings destruction. I'm like, well, how is destruction glorious? He causes wars to end. So in his his method of destruction, he's actually causing wars to end. He's breaking the bow, snapping the spear and burning the shields. So the destruction isn't the world. It's the destruction of the things that we've created in the world that are causing these wars. So he destroys the bow, a weapon of war. He just, he snaps the spear, a weapon of war. He burns the shields with fire. The shield is not a weapon of war it is a defense from war. And even that he burns. So what I take out of this, and maybe a theologian who knows original Hebrew and all that might disagree with me. And I'd love to hear that. But what this speaks to me is that at times God's got to bring us down a notch at times. God's got to remind us, Hey, you're a speck. I was reading the other day about how, uh, there's this, um, Idea about how infinite the universe is, not because it is so big, but because even the most microscopic detail is infinite in its complexity. And, and so, as, as big as we are, and as, as much as I feel like I can make a change in the world, and you can make a change in the world, we're still so small. And sometimes God's got to remind us of that. He's got to bring us back down. He's got to remove the barriers between us, remove our ability to harm each other, and just bring us down, back down to square one. And then we can see his glorious works because the, the scales have been lifted from our eyes. So anyways, I'll leave you with that. That was something that stuck out to me. Um, If you get to watch the movie locked down uh, on HBO, it's a great movie. um, Well acted. And other than that, I direct you to the, to the article links and the audio links in the show notes, Uh, read up on this for yourself, start getting curious about who is saying what, what people are wanting to do, And when it comes to the Great Reset, all I can do is try to tell you what they're saying and how I'm perceiving it. Beyond that, it's up to you. So I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that challenge. Know who you are. Know what it is you believe. If you don't know, find out. And you can't ask anybody else what you believe. You can only ask yourself. And then beyond that, be kind to each other. Treat each other with respect, the respect that you would want to be treated with, whether it's man to man, man to woman husband to wife whatever it is treat each other the way you would you would want to be treated and then be still and know that god is god and in the end we know who wins every battle we know who wins the victory ultimately and that is whether you want to call it god or jesus or just good and love love wins thanks for tuning in i'll see you next time